Welcome to The Holistic Entrepreneur with holistic nurse practitioner, success coach, and best-selling author, Bonnie Gressel. Bonnie and her expert guests share tips, tools, and strategies to achieve success on your holistic entrepreneur journey. Each show features answers to common entrepreneur challenges, along with a healthy dose of support and motivation. Now, please welcome the host of The Holistic Entrepreneur, Bonnie Gressel. Welcome, everyone. This is your host, Bonnie Gressel, here at The Holistic Entrepreneur. Now, today I have a special guest to share with you. Zoe Routh is with us, and I'm going to introduce Zoe in just a moment. But first, I always want to take a moment to thank all of you for spending your valuable time here with me on the show. I am so honored that you do that because I know that time is our most precious asset. And I always want to make sure that these shows are value packed so that you feel your time was well spent and you will not be disappointed today. Now, I think being a holistic entrepreneur is really more about who you are than what you do. You know, you come from that heart centered place. You want to make a difference in the world. And perhaps that's why you've decided to join us on the show today. So if this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've tuned in before, welcome back. I hope that you find this will be another great show with insights to help you on your entrepreneur journey. And now make sure you check out the show page before you leave. There's always a gift for you there and ways to connect with my guest as well as myself. And I have a special offer that I also want to share with you today. I have a, a masterclass. It's called Expand Your Reach with Podcasting. And it's a pretty intensive masterclass that's normally... 1997. So it's normally about $2,000. But until the end of the year, I am actually offering that whole course with a couple bonuses as well for $197. So $197. And that's just till the end of the year, till the 31st of December. So if you're interested in that, if you're thinking about podcasting, check that out. And on that page, if you're not really sure if you're you know ready for it, at the very bottom, there's a place that you can sign up just for a free web class to kind of give you some information about it as well. And there's you know, certainly no cost for that because it's a free web class. But I want to let you know that that was there. And I will have that link on the show page the rest of this year while that offer is available. And maybe you don't want to do a podcast of your own, but you want to be a guest on somebody else's show. Like, you know, I don't know. Do you know of anybody who has a show who would want to have you on as a guest? Of course, it would be me. So if you're interested in being a guest on The Holistic Entrepreneur, I would love to hear from you. Now, I always want to mention this little disclaimer, this information that we that we talk about here that's presented is educational, inspirational, and motivational in nature, but I always want you to just take what fits for you and simply let go of the rest. This show does not intend or imply to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment either, and I always want to preface every show with that little reminder for all of us. So... Without further ado, let me introduce our guest for today. I'm so excited to have Zoe with us. Zoe Routh is one of Australia's leading experts on leadership. She specializes in the people stuff, right? The stuff that gets in our way of producing results, the stuff that lights us up. She believes developing perspectives is the gateway to better decisions and greater results. 
She's worked with individuals and teams internationally and in Australia since 1987. From the wild rivers of northern Ontario to the remote regions of Australia, Zoe has spent the last 30 years showing teams struggling with office politics and silos how to work together better. Zoe is the author of three books, Composure, How Centered Leaders Make the Greatest Impact, Moments, uh, and that's about leadership when it matters most, and loyalty. Stop Unwanted Stuff and Staff Turnover, Boost Engagement, and Build Lifelong Advocates. And then she has a fourth book coming out called People Stuff, The Power of Perspective for Better Leadership. And this is coming out in 2020. Join me now in welcoming Zoe Routh to the show. Well, welcome, Zoe. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to share with us here on The Holistic Entrepreneur. I am so happy that you could join us today. Thanks, Bonnie. It's very exciting to be here with you. And I know it's morning by you, so I'm, I, I enjoy, you know, when we were chatting before, I enjoy seeing the sunshine and all of that sort of thing because it's kind of the end of the day here in the U.S. So thank you for sharing the future with me. <laughs> yeah, it is a bit like that. Being in Australia, we're always a little bit ahead of my North American relatives, and they yep. always like to check in on how the tomorrow is going. <laughs> That's right. You know, I read a little bit about people in their bio, obviously, but there's always more to the story, right? Would you share with us a little bit more about your journey, Zoe, and what brings you to the work that you do today? Oh, I'd love to. Thank you. Uh, well, I was born in England, but grew up in Canada, so that my accent is Canadian, and I spent uh, the best parts of my life growing up in Canada on the lakes and rivers of Canada. So I fell in love with the wilderness and went to summer camp as a lot of North American kids do and just loved that way of life and always struggled to go back into the city during the winter months. And I think that sort of early calling, that lifelong calling led me to my first career in the outdoors. So every summer I would uh, anticipate with, with great eagerness to go back to summer camp and to lead canoe trips and to work with young people at the summer camp. And then, then I kind of got a little bit older and realized I can't keep working at summer camp. There's some people do for yonks and yonks and decided I want to explore the world a little bit with, with outdoor experiential education. So I looked around and I had a couple of friends who'd worked at Outward Bound in Australia, which sounded so exotic and far away, which it is both of those things. <laughs> in any case, I applied and got a job uh, in Australia uh, for 13 months, which sounded like forever to, to be away from home. And out I came down under to work at Outward Bound, which is personal and leadership development in the outdoors. And I ended up staying here for nine years as part of the Outward Bound crew. And I had many different roles there, including staff and training coordinator. So I was in charge of hiring and firing and developing the outdoor instructor leaders there. And I worked a lot in the leadership space on the corporate programs. And that kind of seeded the next part of my journey where after I left Outward Bound, also they sponsored my residency and I became a citizen. So <laughs> after about two years, mom and dad stopped asking me when I was coming home. And it's like, when are you coming for a visit? <laughs> it sort of just grew on me. It was never part of the grand plan to end up here. Um, and then after our bound, I ended up working at a place called the Australian Rural Leadership Foundation. Rural, it's very hard to say, rural. Uh, and so I worked a lot with that organization with uh, primary producers. So a lot in 
in rice and cotton and sugar and beef and fish and all these amazing industries, as well as different rural towns and regional areas across Australia. And I did a lot of deep leadership work in those areas and uh, fell in love with, with that kind of folk and that kind of work. And somewhere along the way, I started my own practice while I was still at Outward Bound, actually. Uh, as a side gig, I was doing um, developing an executive coaching business. And I had two goes during this last 18 years or so at going full-time in it. And the first time I went, right, I left Outward Bound. I'm like full-time in my business. And I basically fell over. I got cancer in the middle of that. And it was a bit of a shock to the system, as you can imagine, and put my business on hold and put my life on hold. And um, it was a huge opportunity to just explore what the hell I was doing and who I was and what I really wanted, as well as try and heal through that experience. Well, I'm still here. It's been 15 years, so things have turned out well in that regard. And it really sort of catalyzed the next, I guess, self-definition part of myself. Um, I took the job at the Rural Leadership Foundation, and then yet the calling to run my own business still came back. So about five years ago, I came back to it full time, and it's, it's flourished since then. And the work that I do now is all around uh, people stuff, the leadership stuff. So I help folks with their leadership culture and communication in industries that are very hands-on and practical. So still a lot in the agricultural sector, mining and construction. So I love the practical folk and I help bring the people stuff and make it practical for them. So that's a little bit of my up and down journey from the wilds of Ontario through to here I am in Canberra, Australia. Wow, what a what a story! And I'm so um, I'm so glad that you survived your cancer um, you know journey because I'm so glad that you're still here today to do what you do. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> you know, and I think I'm very grateful for my healing process and that I got so many more years uh, after that experience to uh, to contribute to the world. Yeah, you know, I think when something like that happens, um, whether it's an accident or an illness or whatever and we make it through that, there's a reason we made it through that, right? There's still more that we need to do. <laughs> and That's to right. I didn't feel ready to go and I had lots more. To, I felt like there's, there's lots more to discover and learn and, and um, show up for. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. And to share interesting, interesting journey from the outdoors stuff. And, but you know, the foundation has always been leadership. It's been two things. It's been, it's been people and leadership and the outdoors. And so I've woven those experiences across all of my work. So the work I did, the Rural Leadership Foundation also did outdoor experiential education as part of their broader leadership programs. They kind of kickstart ah. every long-term leadership program with an outdoor piece, which suited me just fine. And in my own practice here, I've uh, taken groups out into the bush as well. So in the last couple of years, I've taken groups down to Tasmania and quite a few groups out to the Lara Pinta Trail, which is out of Alice Springs in the very middle of Australia through the desert, which is just an extraordinary area. So people and wilderness and the outdoors is, has all been key components for me. Mm. You know, you shared one of your, one of your books with me. I know you, you have a couple books, but one of the books is Secrets of Composure, How to Maintain Grace Under Fire. And I, I read that um, the other day, and it's a fabulous book, by the way, but so much of that resonates whether you are in business or just life in general. 
And, you know, you talk about being the author of your own hero's journey. We all go through something many times more than once. Can you elaborate a little bit more on how to be the author of your own hero's journey? Sure. Um, And you're right. So this book, my first book, Composure, was really about how to lead yourself. And it's fundamental to any leadership role that you take in your life. And we all have leadership roles in our life, whether it's leading our own life or leading a family or leading others at work or leading a business. Um, How to author our own hero's journey. So hero's journey comes from, as you likely know, uh, Joseph Campbell's fantastic work, A Hero of a Thousand Faces, and the archetypal patterns that show up in cultures around the world about uh, this compelling narrative, which is about the individual who goes, sails forth out into the world in a brave new context, has a bunch of experiences, a lot of them difficult, like cancer, mm-hmm. <laughs> and what you can wrestle with, what you discover about yourself and the world, and then re-emerging to bring that back to the village and to teach others or to continue on to the journey. So one of it through composure, I weave a lot of the hero's journey principles into it. Uh, so where to start with is to determine, well, first of all, that you are the hero of your own journey and to acknowledge yourself as a central figure in the narrative of your life and that you can write your own script. Uh, that's the first piece. And then the second piece is to determine what is your quest? Where are you going on this thing, this, this remarkable hero's journey in your world? And some of that is around knowing what your values are and knowing what your purpose is. And I don't think there's not some magical purpose that you pluck from the sky. It's whatever you determine to be. And largely it's about what's most important to you. And one of the processes I go through in the book is about identifying what, what is the biggest challenge you see in the world? And therefore, what can you offer that is the antidote to that? So for me, when I looked at this, I thought that one of the biggest challenges in the world is lack of compassion. Mm. And, and so then for me, it was like, well, how can I bring more compassion into the world? And that became the light for me. So it's like everything I do, and it doesn't matter what vehicle you use, whether it's business or family or personal reflection, that the activities are reflective of that. How can I bring more compassion to the world? And that's sort of my North Star, if you want to use that principle that's guiding me on every little step of my journey, which continues to unfold in magical ways. Mm. You know, you, you also talk about developing sort of a, a powerful perspective as opposed to maybe a not powerful perspective. But, <laughs> but I think sometimes people don't realize the power that they have in their own lives and, and how it affects the world around them. Absolutely. I think one of the most important things that anyone can do is start paying attention to their inner narrative. What are you talking to yourself about? So that inner, it's not even just inner critic, but it's like, what are, what are the stories you're telling yourself about what's going on? And when you start paying attention to that, it's remarkable the kind of crap that we feed ourselves. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> oh my goodness. It's amazing. Uh, so I was talking to someone yesterday, say for example, and uh, she was saying, she was talking about uh, getting divorced. And she said, oh, when I was married, I wasn't allowed to do this, this, and this. I'm like, wow, that's a powerful narrative. Like just pressing pause on that. I wasn't allowed to do Mm -hmm. that. And so for me, listening to that, I was like, wow. So in her experience of her marriage, she did not feel like she had autonomy. She did not feel like she had the power to do anything. And yet she did, of course, you know, uh, it was just the structure of their marriage that, that she contributed to and participated. I'm not saying that whatever happened there was, was right. 
Uh, I am saying though that she has found herself in a story where she was a victim and lacked control and permission to do what she wanted, which is a translation of what her experience was, which was very dis disabling for her until she got out of that marriage and realized, you know what? That's, I, I don't have to do that anymore. I can do whatever I want. And <laughs> when we start to pay attention to the messages that we give ourselves all the time, even from the smallest things, um, we then discover that we have an enormous amount of power over how we feel each day and therefore what action we take. Um, so this, this came to the, I'm always having to be reminded of this. I'm no master of this, that's for sure. So I remember telling friends just recently that, oh, I was going down to the beach for a wedding. And the narrative in my head was like, oh, yet more travel, because I travel so much for work. And it was like, oh, I have to do this wedding. And they just responded like, oh, how lovely. And it stopped me in my tracks. I'm like, yeah, you know what? It is really lovely. <laughs> it's really lovely to go to the beach and go to a wedding. What's my problem? <laughs> it's like I could be focusing on the joy of that instead of like Ugh, the drag of having to travel yet again. Um, so it is one of the critical things of how to author our own experiences to pay attention to that inner dialogue for sure. Mm, and that inner dialogue is like going on all the time. And I think I think you're so right, Zoe, in that sometimes I think people forget that all of those things, all of our thoughts, all of our feelings, everything we do is a choice. You know, a split second before we say, do, think, or feel something, we choose to do it or to say it or to think it. That is true. And at the same time, there's a lot of uh, subconscious stuff that goes on. So I think yep. that's the trouble is that the subconscious steers us in ways that um, it, as a huge database of our own experiences, there's a lot of programming in there, which sets, mm -hmm. us, up, sets us up for default thinking and default behavior. And it's a, it's a constant attention to that that is, that is useful. And even the most experienced monks who've meditated for years are always mindful mm -hmm. of their uh, subconscious auto sure. automatic responses and go, Oh, that's interesting. I'm having that panic response right now. <laughs> um, so it does take a practice of focus and awareness that th these things are going on so that we can, they'll always happen. So I like to think of emotions being in the passenger seat rather than in the driver's seat. You're not ever going to get rid of them, but you might as well have them safely tied up, <laughs> strapped in next to you instead of Taking hold, taking hold of the wheel and driving the car recklessly because they're so reactive. Oh, absolutely. You know, I totally agree because I think, I don't know what the current statistic is. Last I saw was 95 to 97% of what we say, do, think, and feel is in that subconscious mind. So we're not consciously aware of it. So beginning by just noticing, just noticing of what you are aware of that you're thinking or your, you know, that, that inner dialogue you were talking about before is a great beginning for people because that's only the tip of the iceberg, but it's a start. Absolutely. And that's why I value the practice of journaling so much because that actually creates the third person perspective when we come to looking at our own mind. And as we journal and say, well, this is the thoughts that came up for me. And these were the emotions I experienced today. And this is what triggered that. And this is how I processed it. We start to study ourselves as a subject. Mm -hmm. And from a leadership maturity point of view, that is actually quite a significant leap in awareness and development when we are able to do that. When we are able to look at ourselves as a subject that we can study, it, uh, it, it's a little bit of a circuit breaker between uh, something that happens and our response. 
because we can start to observe something that happens, the response or the reaction, I should say, in our bodies and our emotions, and then we can choose a response. Uh, so that, that reflection piece is really an essential leadership practice uh, mm. for us to start to be more authoritative and self-authoring when it comes to our own experience. Mm. Oh, so true. And, and, and you might get this question all the time, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So, you know, in, in what you do, you know, for your business, you're often talking to about leadership within business, but leadership is in everything that we do in our lives. How do you define what leadership is? Oh, I, 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 excuse me. I often ask other leadership experts the same thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> How do you define leadership? And everybody goes, ah, ha, ha, ah, mm. So for me, leadership is the capacity to lead yourself first, and the, which means take uh, autonomy and control of your destiny and how you show up in the world. That's the first stage of it. And I guess for me, the core essential, whether, whether you lead just yourself or volumes and nations, et cetera, it's about seeking a better version of the world and recruiting people around you to help bring that to life and together co-creating a better future and better presence for as many people and stakeholders as possible. Mm. You know, you said something that really kind of pinged me, really key. You, the people around you is important. And again, that's a choice as well, because the people who surround us, I mean, energy, to me, I'm an energy person. So I think energy is, we just, it's all over and it's, it, you give energy, you get energy and it kind of all melds together sometimes. And, you know, you're, it's been said that, you know, you're the, the um, common piece of what the five people most closely around you are and, and you are influenced by that. And I don't know. Do you find that, especially with what you do in terms of leadership in business, that the leaders that you talk to, and maybe before you start working with them, are really in tune to the people who are around them, which might be their family members, their friends, their people who are not at the at the office, so to speak. Are they in tune with them? Well, it depends on how advanced they are in their self awareness. Mm. Uh, often, when I start working with people, they they've got a number of chief complaints, if you like. And the chief complaints may range from, I am overworked, overwhelmed, and I can't get to the stuff that matters most. I can't get to doing strategy. Uh, so that's one set of problems that people often come with. Another set of problems would be, I've got challenges in my workplace. I really need to build better buy-in with my staff or with my executive or with my board. And so they're looking for an influence piece. And uh, what's another one? So another set of, of challenges might be, I want to have more of an impact in the world. How do I show up and be uh, more influential on a grander stage? So whichever context it is that they come with their set of, uh, set of problems, when it comes down to it, the first step is being, it's interesting because all of these are like projections, like the problem is out there. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like my staff don't buy in or the board doesn't listen or um, <clears throat> it's too much of a chaotic workplace. And we do a lot of, in the first work that I do with individual leaders, as well as with teams going, all right, <laughs> so how are we showing up and what is the impact that we are having on those around us? So we start, we put the mirror up first and have a look at what is the quality of our energy going up, um, going out. And often it's pretty poor. And 
I have an interesting statistic in my practice that 100%, it's not often you can say 100% of anything, Mm -hmm. but 100% of my leaders that I work with need to improve their self-care. And this is, has direct impact on the quality of the energy and how they contribute to those around them. Because if they are burnt out and frustrated and angsty, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think that is not a word, but it will do, then that has negative ripple effects. So I was working with this leader who his presenting problems when we first started is like, I'm over the business. I'm sick of it. Uh, you know, I've got challenges with my brother who's also in the business and the team's driving me nuts. And then listed all these problems that were external in quotation marks. And he was a grumpy, miserable character. <laughs> and so we started working on him on how he was looking after himself and what was most important to him. And underneath the surface of that was he'd given up on some of his core activities that really rejuvenated him, like playing golf, like taking time out for himself. And we started identifying the pressure points where he was, that if we relieved them, he could step into a better version of himself. And that catalyzed into some significant decisions in his business, which set the team up for success. Fast forward 12 months later, he is so much happier. The business has had the best year ever. The culture is thriving. And it all started with that, put the mirror up and how are you looking after yourself first? Mm, a great example. And I, I couldn't agree with you more in terms of self-care. I mean, we, I, I'm a nurse by original education way back when, and we don't take good care of ourselves sometimes either. No. Yet we know better, you know, <laughs> sometimes we make the worst patients But I think people don't recognize that self-care, whether it's, you know, your physical self-care, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're exercising, those kinds of things, or your emotional self-care. Mm. You know, you talk about something in, in the book that I read called Your Emotional Keto. Could you talk a little bit more about that? How to Emotional Aikido, practice- yeah. yes. Aikido is a Japanese martial art, which has as, as its philosophy of uh, wanting to disarm your opponent, your attacker, without doing harm to either them or you. And I thought, wow, what a beautiful principle and what a wonderful way to think about human interactions. And when it comes down to uh, interacting with others, this emotional Aikido is quite a significant thing. And the way that I think of it is being able to understand your own emotions so that they don't uh, knock, knock you off your own perch. <laughs> so there's a whole set of activities and skills in order to do that. We've talked about some of them, which is paying attention to what's going on. Um, and then there's being aware of the emotions of other people. And from one of the most interesting things that I learned through my work with dealing with people is that, and you would be aware of this too, being an energy sensitive person, is that if someone shows up full of anger or rage or pain of some sort, if you don't manage yourself well, you can end up being sensitive to that and experiencing it alongside them. Now, this is the fundamentals of empathy, and yet it can be extremely distracting if all of a sudden we get a hit of their pain. And it's happened to me a couple of times in different coaching sessions with leaders where um, they show up with a whole bunch of issues. This one took me by surprise, actually. It was a lawyer a few years ago, and he was a partner in a firm, and he'd had a very troubling interaction with his senior partners where his remuneration had been cut by $100,000, which 
you know, sure, he was wow. making more than that. <laughs> but I think regardless. It's a chunk. It's, yeah. It's a, yeah. It was the money and it was also the message that he was getting that he wasn't valued and that they were trying to edge him out of the business. So he was highly, highly stressed. But being a very capable, competent lawyer, he had like game face on. So none of the normal uh, cues in his face were there to indicate that he was highly stressed. And then I walked away from that meeting and I'm like, I feel sick. I was like, I felt, I, I think I'm going to, like, I felt like I wanted to throw up. I'm like, why is that? And then, because I've dealt with all sorts of issues with people and this was fairly tame compared to some other people's issues. And I realized, oh my goodness, he was emanating all this energy of stress and angst. And I hadn't taken the proper emotional Aikido steps to protect myself from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I just, I just basically soaked up all this energy from him and it's affected me physically. I'm like, ah, oh. once I realized that I could put some processes in place and just purge myself, which essentially involves deep breathing. So the emotional Aikido step, if you do find yourself being copying somebody else's energy, there's a couple of things you can do. One is to uh, actually step to the side. And so rather than being face to face from someone is to give that, give their energy a different place to go so that it doesn't, you don't get it full force. So that's a lovely Aikido move. Just, just move out of the way. <laughs> I've often been in conversations with people and clients where they are ferocious in their emotions. I just shifted a little bit of my seat to let the emotion mm-hmm. pass me by. Uh, so that's the first thing. And the second thing I do for emotional Aikido is to use the, the uh, shape of an octahedron, which if you think an octahedron is basically a diamond shape. And it's got a tip at the top and tip at the bottom. So you imagine two pyramids smushed together. That's an octahedron. And I imagine that uh, around me. So I've got the top of the diamond at the top of my head and the bottom of the diamond below my feet. And I just imagine that shape around me and breathe some light into it. And that helps anchor me and center me. And it means I can be fully present to whatever's going around uh, in a room with people, with a leadership team and not be effective it, so affected by it so I can stay centered and present and focused for them and help them navigate their emotions without having to get caught up in it as well. Hmm. Yeah, I, I so I like your techniques and, and I'm sure that there are others as well, but those are great techniques because I think people can people need to do that. You never know when you're going to you know, bump into somebody. It could be even at the grocery store or something. And they're just like having a bad day. And you don't want to take that energy on. So knowing some ways to to protect yourself and, you know, breathing. It, I mean, we all have to breathe anyway. I say that to people all the time. You have to breathe anyway. So just focus on your breathing and take a deep breath and, you know, let everything go. Because that's something so simple. You don't need any extra equipment or anything to do that. You know, Zoe, we, I could talk with you all day because I love talking about this kind of stuff, but I know that, you know, life is busy and people's brains are probably full of stuff. So if, if you wanted the, our listeners today to walk away with at least one really important principle, one golden nugget, so to speak, what do you think that that should be? I think the overarching one for me is to be kind to yourself. I think from there stems everything. Uh, so, so from there, it means be kind to yourself and breathe. Be kind to yourself and journal and have a look at what's going on inside of you without judgment and with curiosity and, and care. Be kind to yourself because if you don't, you can't be kind to others. So it really is the epicenter of all goodness that flows 
outwards from from there so be kind to yourself is probably the biggest lesson and what people people often find the hardest to do Mm, oh, but it's such an important thing and such a wonderful golden nugget. Thank you so much for sharing that because I, I think you're right. I think people have a hard time. I mean, we are our own worst critic and we're not very kind to ourselves sometimes, but it has to start there because nobody's going to do that for you. Nobody can be kind to you for you, right? You have to do that yourself. That's right. <laughs> it's good. And that's how we can keep showing up every day, enjoying our lives and having more life to give as well. Mm, oh, I love that. Well, I know, Zoe, that people are going to want more of you. So what's the best way? And I will put your website um, link on the show page. So anybody who clicks on that will just magically go to Zoe's website. But tell us how we can get more of you, your, your services, how people can, you know, get you to interact with, with, their, with their group. Now, do you do, I should ask you this first, do you do everything um, in person or do you do anything online? Like can people outside of Australia access your services? So I've got a few things that are um, global, so online platforms. So the right. best way to, to communicate is through my website to, and get my people stuff toolkit where you can get my blogs and my podcast. Uh, so that's one way to keep engaging with my thinking around people stuff. And the in terms of working live or uh, remotely from people, so I have... A lot of the coaching clients I have are not local to Canberra. They're around the globe. So mm. any individual coaching program can be done remotely. And uh, I'm looking at some of the other aspects of my work and rolling it out onto online programs. Those aren't up just yet uh, because we're fine-tuning it. I think what will, what will come out of my new book that's getting published next year will be some more access to that. And sometimes I have webinars and webcasts as well that are open to anybody around the globe. So I just one, ran one recently. So those all come through my events page. Uh, but if people sign up to the People Stuff Toolkit and get the blog, they'll get notification of all that stuff as it comes to light. Oh, great. So that's the best way. I am so glad because I love what you do. And I'm so glad to hear that anyone in the world really can access your expertise. It doesn't have to be just where you live, right? Oh, so, no, that's right. And that's, I think it's one of the great platforms that you espouse in Holistic Entrepreneurs. Like it's, it's such, the world is open to us all now. And I think the mm -hmm. other place um, that's really good to connect is on LinkedIn. I do a lot of activity on LinkedIn. It's got a growing community of interesting conversations around people stuff and leadership. So that's the other place to find me too. So if you just, you know, search Zoe Routh on LinkedIn, um, they'll find you. Oh, pretty easily. Yep. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. I know it's the beginning of the day for you, but I know you've got a busy day ahead. So thank you so much for, you know, carving out some time to share with us here in the Holistic Entrepreneur. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Bonnie. You've been listening to The Holistic Entrepreneur, hosted by Bonnie Gressel. The Holistic Entrepreneur has been brought to you by M&B Global Solutions, your source for individualized coaching for entrepreneurs and authors, along with book editing and publishing services. To learn more, go to mandbglobalsolutions.com.